the Southern Fried Witch, and I am podcasting in a heat wave. And as y'all know, no air conditioner in this room. (laughs) All of my animals are in the house today. There will be no fun time outside because they are wearing fur coats and I don't want them to suffer. And the chickens are about to get fans. (laughs) Um, It's that bad in Alabama and it's swampy around here. The humidity is insane, y'all. It really is. And of course, I have a ridiculous amount of food I have to process, pickles I have to make, tomatoes I have to cook down, and squash casserole I have to whip together because the food is lying everywhere in bags. And we have given away a lot of it. And we will continue to give away a lot of it because uh, even if I could can all of this, I don't have the time. And I've got a lot of friends who need food. And so that's the way we're going to rock and roll. I did want to tell y'all today that homemade spaghetti sauce is worth every minute of it. It's just more vibrant. You know, I know it's easier to buy a jar and put that jar in a landfill. But at the end of the day, y'all, if you cook those down long enough and add in your garlic and all of your yummies and a little bit of wine, that stuff, it's over the moon. Now, I didn't used to grow tomatoes because they're so hard to do here. The viruses are just out of this world and everything attacks them. Hornworms, even cabbage worms got a hold of mine this year. But I did give it a go this year and... A friend of mine also gave it a go, so I've got a lot of them. But in other years, and I do highly suggest you do this because, well, we should witchify every damn thing. And one of the ways we can do that is by witchifying our food source. If you know of a local farmer or there's a local farmer's market and you can get your food from there, do so. Do so. And it is worth going ahead and purchasing or, you know, sourcing some uh, mason jars, y'all. There are some things you can water bath can. Don't need a lot of money to do that. And, you know, just try doing it one time. That's some serious kitchen witchery. And better for you, better for the planet. Give it a shot. But speaking about things that are better for the planet and better for community... As I was giving away some of the squash and other yummies to my neighbors down the road, and honestly, anybody who needs it, it occurred to me, this old conversation, really quite the argument I had with another witch from a long time ago about why, as a witch, I wasn't wealthy, why there wasn't more money in my pocket, why capitalism had seemed to fail me while it was working so well for others. And that is exactly what I wanted to talk about today. I wanted to talk about why so many of us are, you know, air quotes, economically disenfranchised, um, or 
simply not wealthy. Because I think a lot of us who do have a roof over our head and are eating regularly are doing a lot better than other folks, especially in this capitalistic hellscape we're in. The argument that I had with that other witch all those years ago, well, they posited very clearly to me that if I didn't have monetary wealth, capital gain, then I wasn't very good as a witch. And they did posit that to me. And I would like to delve into what that means. Now, this person and a few other I've known in my lifetime who had the benefit of that kind of economic status had so at, well, this particular person at the price, if you will, because I like playing with words, of being married to somebody who made that kind of money. Mm -hmm. And others I've known, well, they inherited from someone And that makes a lot of sense that then they would feel blessed as witches, you know. But most of the real working witches I know are not blessed in that way at all. And some of the ones I know are living check to check. I'm one of those people. And uh, if I were to, I suppose, focus my craft on monetary capital gain, I could see how that could go. I also see that that is not a straight shot and it's not without its cost. You know, I'm still kind of reeling from an article that I saw published about two weeks ago now, I reckon, about witches standing in opposition. There were reasons I was a little thrown by that and I'm going to get to that in one of my upcoming interviews I'm going to do. But I can't imagine anyone automatically arguing that we don't tend to stand in opposition. We stand in opposition to a lot of things like inhumane treatment of animals and any policies or politics that would work to dehumanize our brothers and sisters, the desecration of our waters and the fallout from climate change. We stand in opposition to a lot of that. That tends to be who we are, you know. And so if my focus is working on all of those things, it just seems to be unlikely that, I don't know, I'd have the damn time to get wealthy. (laughs) You know, that's one of the reasons. I mean, that is a lot of work. That takes a lot of time. And it means that my magical focus is on these endeavors. And as a pagan witch, you know, I really do believe that being a pagan is not, it's just not only about the trees and the waterways. To me, it always encompasses this ethos, really, of community, of caring for others, because, you know, a lot of pagans had to. Um, And building community, well, that's not all about money. I mean, it can be, and I think the moving around of money can be a good thing if we are careful about where we move it to. I'm thinking now about grants and things such as that. That that makes sense. But my own personal monetary wealth has never been number one for me. Lord, y'all, when I was younger, I was real cute. 
and I had so many opportunities to marry into wealth. They were right there. They were evident. And I think the last one, I was already married, but the last one that occurred, um, well, I'm not going to give any identifiers. They are now passed away. They passed away in 2020, but that one was in 2016. I have had these opportunities, but they do come at a cost, especially for me as a female. They came at a very deep and dire cost of losing my autonomy. And see, a lot of opportunities for wealth do come at that cost. And therein would be my very first reason that witches don't tend to be wealthy. (laughs) Because if we do stand in opposition to so much, and if we do always consider working for the underdog and on the periphery of society, well, we're not going to be first in line with our hand up to give up autonomy, are we? Mm -mm. So for me, that's number one. And number two would be this sense of um, dedication to the community. And what do I mean by the community? Well, a lot of folks would automatically believe that I only mean other witches and pagans. And um, I wish I could be that Puritan when it came to my understanding of community. But my community also concerns the 92-year-old man who lives at the end of my road. He may be 93 this year, actually. Who is poverty-stricken and doesn't have hardly anything and really does need um, jars of pickles. (laughs) And it's not even just as food. I think for my friend, who I'm going to leave the name out of, I think it's the act of service, of caring, and giving him those things, and checking in on him in bad weather. I do believe that that is also my community service. And he's a Christian, Y'all, I'm, well, he's one by default, the way so many are in the South, doesn't know any other way, probably never went to church in his life, but, you know, he'll praise God for any good thing that happened. So I've been praised in that way <laughs> occasionally, and uh, that's okay. That's okay, because I'm working with something a little bit deeper and a little bit thicker and a little bit more valuable than how I'm seen by my peers. Which sort of brings me to the other reason that I think that so many witches tend to not be wealthy. When I'm saying tend to not be, because there are wealthy witches. And I don't think that the ones that are wealthy necessarily did anything horrible to get there. Because if I did think that, then we'd be buying into the very idea that so many witch hunts were predicated upon. I'm still working to assure that I have non-binary thinking going on in my own head, in my own life. But I see that binary thinking popping up in witchcraft communities all the time. But anyway, I digress. The other reason I believe that is, is that, okay, we cast spells, we dedicate ourselves to a deity, or we don't. Um, We work our magic in all these beautiful, diverse ways. I actually love that. 
um, hate dogma, so bring on the diversity, <laughs> which means I'm not going to be one to criticize the way another witch operates. However, when we do that kind of crafting, you know, I think that the universe may not conceptualize, and that is a push of a word that I don't know if the universe conceptualizes or just already inherently is, but I don't think that the universe would understand wealth in the same way that we do. And I think that that is almost, bless us, ignorant for us to believe it would. In fact, you know, my ancestors would have seen wealth as um, being healthy, having a, a long life, maybe, maybe, um, a bountiful harvest, a good hunt, um, healthy community, definitely, that would have been part of their wealth. You know, decent weather, these kinds of things were definitely considered wealth. And I don't think, personally, I don't believe that we can bend the universe to now understand wealth as a piece of paper or um, a dollar sign in our bank accounts. I don't think we can. I don't think that's the way things work. I do believe that if we cast for better opportunities, if we focus not just our magic, but also our mundane actions, you know, picking up the phone, filling out an application, forging really healthy relationships, things like that, taking ourselves out of toxic situations if we possibly can, that kind of thing, that can lead to situations in which I guess our, I reckon y'all, our money is better in those cases. It still strikes me that because the money is not great for someone does not mean that they are a lesser witch in any way. In fact, I will say that those witches, and I have been one in the past, I'm not today, I'm holding my head barely over water, like most of us are, but those witches who were horribly stricken by bad circumstance, uh, maybe homeless or suffering addiction or are disenfranchised for their sexuality or their gender or their color of their skin, I don't see how we can automatically assume that they are not as important as witches or that they are somehow less skilled than the rest of us because that, y'all, wow, what an entitled position to take. Again, the universe doesn't give a shit about your bank account. And our current society, let's just say it doesn't support a lot of folks in ways that if everything were equal, you know, everybody had health care and everyone were um, able to go to college and such as that, that we then maybe, you know, we would know who is the most skilled or talented, which, however, it still leaves a very bad taste in my mouth that I'm hearing these things to this day. It's a cocky, entitled, half-blind position to say that if you have more money than another witch and they are in poverty of some sort, and poverty can go in a lot of directions, poverty of family members or poverty of connection or poverty of health care, it can go in a lot of directions, that you somehow 
Well, I don't know. Your God or goddess just blessed you, honey. You're special. That is such crap. And it's such a dangerous position for a witch to take. Because, baby, you might be next. And in that case I was speaking of, that argument I was having, that person was next. And it did occur that they did lose all of that. Doesn't make them a bad person. It just means that we need to be careful how we are, I suppose, conceptualizing wealth. Because if it's outside of the way my ancestors did, or yours, I I don't know who they may be, but it tended to be more about that which actually sustains life. And then we also have to remember that the universe is chaotic, honey. It's a wild ride. And not everything is about the flesh. Although I do think we should consider that because we're not sanctimonious Christians over here. We do care about what our flesh feels and we do care about how we hurt um, or how we feel pleasure. But that's not everything. I don't know if I'm making any sense. Let me see if I can wrangle in some kind of a story. All right, here's one. I hope they don't mind me talking about it. Um, They're so honest and so forthright. I can't imagine that they would. So I'm going to go for it. And then when I get done with this recording, I'm going to write to them and say, is that okay? (laughs) And then we'll see if I publish it. But my friend Leanne over at Hagcraft Farm. I know y'all remember all of my ads. Um, I also know that y'all remember that I only do ads for people and products that I believe in. And that's why I don't have very many. (laughs) Also, I don't go in search of them. But Hackcraft Farm is one of the most ethical, um, you know, what I consider ethical, (laughs) balanced pagan witch uh, swamp hag business I've ever had the pleasure to know about. Her work, this is not an ad, listen to me, her work is art. I have multiple pieces of her work and I feel magical in them in a way I cannot even explain to you. And I know I've supported a small business and an artist and more than one because she has a collective of artists that help her work on things. And that makes me feel good. I'm putting back into the community what I want to see out there, you know, more art, please. (laughs) And specifically more witch art and sewers and weavers love them. And I think that we need to support them. But recently, things haven't been so good. Um, Money is a big problem out there in this world right now. And a lot of folks just don't have money for things like that. They just don't. And probably the second or third section of people that are going to fall are going to be artists. And those will also be artists of color and, you know, all the rainbow. But what I love about Leanne is that she's desperately attempting to create a barter system with other folks so that she can stay, well, a weaver, a dyer, a magic maker. I've known of cases in which a witch has come to her and wanted a cape, you know, a cloak, actually, to be specific, so much, and just didn't have the money, and Leanne's worked with them. 
She has. She's worked with them. And so it broke my heart talking to her yesterday to know that this business, like so many other small businesses, is under threat of closure. I mean, not immediately, but we are really walking a line here. Does that mean that she's not a good witch? I mean, talented witch? No. No, it means the system is broken and she's trying to operate in a very non-magical system because, honey baby, y'all, capitalism is not a magical system. It's a magic killer is what it is. So she's desperately gasping for air within the system that attempts to drown all of us. All of us. But all hail the victor who can rise to the top, right, y'all? That person, well, they must have been more magical, more special. Bullshit. Look at their situation. Look around. What were their stepping stones? But back to the universe, understanding wealth a little differently than we do. A long time ago, I cast, I did, I cast for home, a home home. Um, when I was younger, um, I just turned 30. My husband left me on a mountain. And uh, I think I've told y'all, um, I had a baby in my belly, a four-year-old and a, and a 10-year-old. And we had nothing. Now, he was not my first husband because my boy's daddy had given me a piece of property, a tiny little house. Used to be a canning factory in the Civil War and an acre of land. It wasn't worth much, but it was a home. And now I remember always feeling that, you know, for a little girl who had been homeless and so very often homeless, growing up, that kind of security. I remember sitting at that old house and um, putting my hands in the grass and like weaving my fingers through them in my 20s and feeling like this is mine, you know, as much as it could be anyway. And it was home and I was secure. And as somebody who has been homeless, I can tell you that feeling, it's addictive and you want it back. But when my well, when the asshole left me on the mountain with a baby in my belly, um, he had gone down to the bank, the financial institution, and put his truck on that banknote without my signature. And y'all can believe that can happen or not happen, but it did happen in 1995 in Alabama. So when he left me, I was faced with losing the house that had been paid off. Um... I remember sitting in the backyard because I did eventually get my home back. We'd rented it out. He wanted it rented out. And it was not on a mountain. It was down in the valley, North Alabama. And he had rented it out and they had destroyed the home. When he left, I eventually did get to take ownership back of the home. I'm getting to something. Y'all stay with me. In the meantime, I had to live in the housing authority. And when I did finally get the door put back on and the plumbing working again, and I did this with friends, friends helped me. I had no money. I remember sitting there thinking, it's painful to this day. Um, sat in the grass one last time and I could move to central Alabama and possibly go to college. Oh, y'all leave it to me to tell a story for too long. What matters here is that to get to that opportunity, 
to get to a place where, well, where I could get educated and get my children out of that extraordinarily racist town and begin to build the life that I ended up having, I had to sell that house. And that was a scary moment for me because that was security. I mean, even if the lights got cut off or uh, the water got cut off, I knew that we would have a roof over our heads. And uh, for someone who has been homeless, well, there's a special anxiety there that's hard to describe. Anyway, that last night I was sitting there and I had my hands on the ground and I love that land so much, you know, and I said to myself, I have two choices. The situation I was faced with, y'all, was that so either I could stay there and pay that off for the next 10 years and at the end of that own land, you know, as much as you can in this world, right? Or I could move down here to this place and fight to go to college and earn a doctorate, which was a crazy proposition for somebody with a GED and who had not gone past seventh grade. And a lot of people thought I was insane and would never get there. And that would take 10 years. So I was looking down (laughs) this barrel of 10 years and it could either be on that house or it could be become doctor so-and-so. And And, uh, so I cleaved myself on that place when I moved down here. Of course, the sale of the house, I think after everything was paid off, I think I got $400, something like that. It was enough to do first month's rent. And um, I struggled. I struggled for years. I did get that doctorate and I did get it by the time I turned 40 years old. Well, I think in a couple of months. Yeah. So why am I telling you all this? Why does this matter? Well, first of all, I did cast for that. I cast to be able to have a choice to save myself and save my children after we got left on that mountain. And the choice that presented itself to me was down here was the possibility of going to college and uh, making something out of myself. So I didn't get a windfall of money. I got an opportunity. And I think the universe understands that a lot better than it does capital gain. I don't think the universe gave two shits that I lost my health. (laughs) Um, But I do think that the spell that I worked, the crafting I did, and the footwork I put in toward the mundane and focusing on that energy did get me where I was going. And did allow uh, the kid from the streets, you know, with a seventh grade education to kick it with the best of them at a state university. I do. But I do remember knowing that it would mean I might not ever own land again. So one of the things to take away from that is that I had, as a witch, a different goal for my craft than land ownership, than money the goal was education and a better life for my kids. Okay. I kind of accepted my fate after that. You know, um, I did become doctor so-and-so. And and, uh, I did do a lot of cool things with that degree. And I was able to raise my kids. And not by much. Believe it or not, we don't make a lot of money (laughs) at all. But I was able to raise them alone. And then I got remarried and we were happy and we really wanted a place to live that was our own. 
We both had family that was either unwilling or incapable of helping us. And nobody had, you know, 20 grand in the bank to put down on anything. So to get this was going to be extraordinary. And what I did, what I chose to do, and I'm skipping a lot of information to get to this, is I sat down and I crafted what I wanted. I said it had to be at least an acre. Um, I wanted it in the country, um, outside of city limits. I wanted it to have its own water source. And I wanted the ability to buy it somehow, some way. And I had a few other markers I'll leave out because it does feel private. And then, you know, I crafted an, a really, really cool spell. It included a lot of local things and dirt. And it was a very long spell that went over the course of an entire moon that I had to be active on. And uh, the universe, well, she a funny girl. She is she funny. We were suddenly and honestly only two weeks away from having a serious situation on our hands because we were renting in a college town and the rent had gone up astronomically and they wanted to sell the home. So we only had two weeks left. When we were presented with the opportunity for a home out uh, about 30 miles away, out in the country, just over an acre with its own well and an existing house structure that needed a whole lot of help and a whole lot of work. You know, it wasn't like it landed in our laps. And it wasn't like we didn't have to go through so many hoops. It wasn't like we didn't have to go the extra mile, and a very painful extra mile indeed, to arrange to be able to buy the home. We're only about a year away now from paying her off, but the universe did listen. It just didn't give me, you know, an in-ground pool or an extra kitchen or a garage because I didn't need that. I was focused on, I guess, the baseline of what I needed. And that's exactly what I got. Now, I have turned it into quite the place, y'all. Um, regretfully, we're just now getting to work on the house. Because at first we worked on the land and that'll, again, show you where my priorities were. And they might seem misplaced to some folks. But for me, it was about the land and healing it and getting it back to where it needs to be. And uh, by the way, that is what my book is about. My book is about the journey, a decade of it, of rewilding and uh, introducing myself to land spirits and working with and all of my mistakes uh, that I enacted. And there were a lot of mistakes, but it was a result of the crafting. And it was fair. And it was just. And I suppose some folks would look at it and say, oh my lord, you live where? In that old place. And according to their understanding of wealth and success, I have not made it, not according to that, but according to what I wanted to do in my life and according to what meant something to me, I'm wealthy. I have space to grow my own food, so I'm hopeful that we'll never go hungry, although I don't tempt fate <laughs> by claiming I won't. Um, we have a wonderful water table here, and uh, the well is wonderful. It supplies all the water to our home, our animals, 
the farm. I don't know how it does it. I'm just blessed. We're all blessed, but not because I'm special, y'all. Not at all. Because I valued it over everything else. And I worked my little witch ass off to make it happen. And I worked with the energies that were here. And I worked with my great mother. And that was my focus of my magic. So as far as I'm concerned, well, I'm wealthy. But if you were to take a look at my W-2s, you would argue with me (laughs) and say, no, you're not. There are things we cannot do and things we cannot afford. I believe that if I put all of my work and all of my magic into one or two of those, I could have them. I also believe it would come at a cost, y'all. It would come at a cost. I'm very careful about what I cast into the world. I'm very careful about my crafting. I'm not a good witch and I'm not a bad witch. I'm not an ineffectual witch either. But the things I care about and the things I don't want to get injured, like my land and animals and grandchild community, friendships, those things, trees, I've got some very important trees to me. I might just actually have to, you know, cut a bitch over. I said it. (laughs) So those are my values. And that's my, my gain. And uh, if I were to focus on something else, I might very well lose some of that. And that would be okay if I had weighed it as more valuable. All right, I'll stop beating a dead horse to death. But I believe as a witch who is very much in favor of the patriarchy falling completely apart and crumbling into dust... And its methodologies, such as capitalism, also maybe, you know, accidentally get caught up in that wind of downfall. I believe as that kind of witch, you know, so I guess I am that witch. I could not expect to also have a yacht. (laughs) I, I could not expect to be wealthy in that way because I would have to buy into way too many systems to get there. Now, I'm not casting shadows on those folks who have worked their asses off and saved up some money and are doing better for themselves and have a good place to live. Absolutely, man. Absolutely do you. But I will halt anyone who has the audacity to say that a witch in today's society, let's stay with America on this, who is not in a certain tax bracket, is thereby an ineffectual witch. That doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe his or her values are just in a different place. I don't know. What do y'all consider wealth? How do you measure your success as a witch, as a human being? Where does it lie? If it's built on this system that honestly has... uh, been designed on the backs of a lot of disenfranchised folks. If it's built on that system, to be honest with you, I don't think I want it. Um, I would feel like I was a failure. If instead it's built on a value system that understands that this is a hard place to be, honey. If you were not born with a silver spoon in your mouth in a certain color, it's a very hard place to be. And 
And if those people can find, if we can find even a very small shack and uh, a very small meal and a handful of good friends to be the goal in our lives while we work on other things that are, I suppose, more spiritual in nature, then, you know, we won. Suppose if you've never been homeless, it's it's not a conversation that makes sense to you. But as for me, I've reached my goals. And uh, the ones I have now are more about community building and saving a piece of land as a protected habitat from destruction. And, uh, you know, all the good wily coyote outside of the system oppositional stances that I tend to take and those are my goals now because I'm today fed and have a a roof over my head and I feel successful I do anyway that was the conversation I wanted to talk to y'all about today because I've heard it too often and it's not something you see broadcast anymore you know um I don't see anybody bragging out there nor do I see it as often like I used to see it, that obviously, you know, certain traditions will believe that your weird, W-Y-R-D, is woven in a certain way and hard to escape. And I do believe in ancestral curses. However, I don't think those should be used against people either or ways to understand them as a success or failure as a witch. This is really binary thinking that is still embedded in our conversation in the craft. And it makes me crazy. (laughs) And uh, I guess I'm more focused on handing down a legacy to my children that's based around kindness and community building, which I think is critical, but also some fairly nature tree-huggy things like how to grow your own food. No matter where you live, I still think you ought to at least have some kind of inkling on how that could happen. Um, because that, that does, that that's wealth. That does ensure some sort of wealth to me. That would be the wealth of sustenance. So I'm leaving them that. And I'm leaving them the importance of storytelling and the belief in magic. That when cast in just the right way and under, you know, the right conditions and With all the right tingles. Well, that's their legacy. They probably won't get very much more than that. And a really nice collection of mason jars. (laughs) And, uh, you know, books I've been published in. And uh, my grandma's quilt. That, to me, is the most important thing outside of living things in my home. It may be modest, but that's good enough. And for any witches out there who are struggling possibly homeless, possibly hungry. This is not indicative of your worth as a human. This is not indicative of your worth as a witch. And also, if there's anyone out there that would like to speak to this, it's something I'm thinking about writing about. So drop me an email, seva at southernfrywitch.com, and let me know whether or not I can read your letter on the air. Magic is more than money, y'all. And often, it works in opposition to it. Blessed be, y'all. Talk to you next week. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.